Well, good morning, church. Last night, I had this dream of this glowing, divinely inspired wolverine coming down Mount Sinai. I saw him eating an elephant with a big A on it. I'm open to interpretation to what that might mean by anyone other than someone who comes from a state that begins and ends with an O. <laughs> Well, it's 1998. I was at a senior-only uh, uh, football camp at the University of Michigan, thus the dream. And we were at this camp. We had a whole bunch of the coaches and players from all across the country were at this camp. And it was about a Wednesday of a week-long camp, just about when every one of us wanted to quit and go home and stop working so hard. And they had one of these coaches roll out, and, and he, made the, he came to gave, give us this pep talk. Um, uh, I don't really remember most of the pep talk other than one phrase or line that he said that was just kind of etched in my soul. And this is what he said. He said, give me a place to stand and I'll move the world. Give me a place to plant my two feet. Give me a, a position that is stable and I will exert the effort. I will remain faithful. I will do the things required and I will, I will move the world. Give me an opportunity. Give me a, a, a chance. Give me a place to stand and I'll shift the universe around me. And as I began thinking about that, the Holy Spirit, I sensed, uh, connected that to prayer in this month of prayer for me in a unique manner. All of us have needs. We have the world that needs to be moved. We have relationships. We have economic issues. We have, we have uh, 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 school issues. We have prodigal sons and daughters. We have uh, doctor's reports. We've got stuff, and we need to see those worlds moved in the direction direction of healing, of wholeness, of restoration, of provision. And prayer is going to be the thing that moves the world in the space and the direction that we need. But as I began praying over this, I saw this little plot of land. I saw this, the space provided for us to plant our feet and I saw it labeled amen. And I sensed the Lord saying something to my own heart that the place that you would stand, the place that you would position yourself in in this month of prayer is called and labeled, amen. And that, that word that you've used a million times after you said the prayer, I heard the Lord say, is actually not just the end and not just the middle, but amen is the beginning of your prayer. And this upcoming month, as we have for nearly 23 years, we will set aside in every capacity our church calendar in order to pray, and we are giving this month of prayer's name, amen. We're calling it amen. And the goal is over this next month that we will explore, we will reimagine, we will discover, we will reignite, and maybe for some of us, ignite for the first time our prayer lives. That we would hear the call of heaven that unless you come and pray, nothing really happens. And we're going to center the call of prayer and the glory of God that comes in our prayers around this word, amen. 
Can you say amen for me? Get used to that because for the next six weeks you're going to say it a lot. (laughs) Ultimately, this word amen is the centerpiece for us to engage and for us to be effective in prayer. It's more than just a formulaic thing we throw at the end. It's more than just kind of a, 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 a word that you mutter or say when somebody says something that you like. Amen is the centerpiece of a life of prayer. And we are going to look at how here in this first week, how it, it encapsulates all of the call of prayer. And so I want to talk about the three amens in front of us for 2024. The Holy Trinity of amens. No, I'm not talking about dark chocolate, peanut butter, and coffee. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I'm talking about an amen in him. I'm talking about an amen on him. And I'm talking about an amen with you. Amen is used nearly 70 times in Scripture. And it runs all the way from the first five books called the Pentateuch through the Psalms, through the prophets, through Jesus himself in the Gospel, and then the later New Testament writers. And there are multiple uses of this, but we're going to look at one particular passage that I think covers all three of these amens in a, in a unique fashion. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3. Now the Amen Month of Prayer Approved Bibles has leather and paper. I hope you have one of those. If not, they're up on the screen. Let me give some quick context for us here. John the Apostle is writing this this letter, not John the Baptist, but John the Apostle. He is in exile on the island of Patmos. At this time in the Roman Empire, Christianity was illegal and Christians were either imprisoned or killed. And he is sitting on an island and on Sunday, much like a day like today, the Holy Spirit takes him up into heaven and Jesus himself begins to speak some messages to John. And in the first part of Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, Jesus himself, it's why if you have your Bible, it's written in red, begins to give John, the apostle, seven letters to seven distinct churches. And the seventh of these churches is the church of Laodicea, and that's going to be our text for this morning. Let's read the text, and we'll pull out our three amens. Verse 14, chapter 3. And to the angel of the church, or the the leader of the church, or the pastor of the church, of the Laodiceans, Laodicean is the city that this church resides in, writes this, this is Jesus speaking, these things says the amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot, I could uh, wish that you were hot or cold. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit or spew or spit you out of my mouth. Because you say I am rich and become wealthy and have need of nothing, yet you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. What an awesome start of the year sermon, huh? But I counsel from you to buy me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich and clothed with white garments that you may be clothed and the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and that your eyes would be anointed with eye salve that you may see. 
As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. Verse 21, to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne and I will also overcome And as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Verse 22, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The first amen that we see of this upcoming year that I sense Holy Spirit bringing us into is this, an amen in him. When we come into the place of prayer, when we engage heaven for the issues of earth and ask heaven to come and heal and deliver and set free and restore and bring peace to where there's conflict, we come not in our own accord, but we come in him. He is the amen. Of the 70 uses in scripture, this is the only time that a definitive article is put in place of that. So in the same manner that Jesus is the way, in the same manner that he is the door, in the same way that he is the truth, he is also the amen. He is the embodiment of all that is true. He is the embodiment of all that is firm and stable and faithful. He, he is the fulfillment of all of the promises that are yes and amen as we will look at. He is the amen and he is the manner and the way by which we can come and pray. Jesus says in verse 14, he says, catch who is speaking here. The amen is speaking. The faithful and true one is speaking. The beginning and the creation of the creation of God is speaking. His righteousness, his authority, his power. He is the beginning, middle, and end of your prayers. And I don't see you or I in the list of any of that. Just him. Just him. You didn't crack the door of prayer open. He invited you in. You didn't clothe yourself. He gave you clothes. You, 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 you cannot have enough degrees. You cannot have enough money. You cannot have enough fervor or you ha- have enough righteousness or piety to earn you one ounce of prayer in heaven. But him, the amen. One of the definitions of amen and both Hebrew and Greek is this sentiment of firm and secure. That that which he says comes to pass. That he is not moved. He is not a man that would lie. That which he speaks happens. That which he decrees takes place. His precepts are faithful and true. His warnings are faithful and true. His promises are faithful and true. And all of that is embodied in Jesus himself. And when we contend, we contend in him. Jesus here is pulling a word that is clearly understood in the context of prayer. And he pulls it into his own personhood. He says, when you say amen, you're not just calling on a phrase or a concept. You are calling on me. Our name, amen, for this prayer series comes out of Paul's letter in 2 Corinthians to the church in Corinth. And this is what he says. He says this, when we pray and when we stand, verse 19, on the promises of God in prayer, we can be sure that he will do them. 
for all of the promises of God in him, speaking of Christ, are yes. And all of these promises in him are amen. You see, our, the amen of our prayer is not found simply in the promise. It's found in the person who gave the promise. Have you figured out that promises are only as good as the people who saved them? Jesus here says, I am the amen. And when you come to pray, you say amen and you pray in me. Now here's, here's my struggle. My struggle with the amen in him generally is not with him. My struggle is with me. I don't struggle with him being faithful. I don't struggle with, 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 with me getting that he has all power and authority. Oftentimes, my struggle in the place of prayer is me. As I say often, the enemy is in a me. And my issue is I don't always really believe that I'm in him when I pray. I wonder how, how often have we dialed back from the place of prayer because of our own insecurity? How often have we walked away from the invitation to come and contend because we have listened to the lie of the enemy about ourselves? Paul doesn't just stop with talking about the amen being in Christ. He continues and he says this. Now he, speaking of God, who establishes us together, meaning Paul and the church in Christ, has anointed us and has sealed us in the spirit by which is our hearts and guarantee. What guarantee do you and I need that is this, that we are fundamentally and always his? And there ain't nothing I can do to jack it up. Look to somebody on your right. Say, I know you jacked up. This was your moment. <laughs> but it don't matter. You can't unchoose yourself. He simply looks at you and says, I sealed you by my word. I sealed you by my spirit. And if you didn't earn your right in, you can't earn your right out either. If you didn't provide the access point in, you can't disqualify your access point out either. When I pray and say amen in him, I am resting in his work, resting in his accomplishment, resting in his faithfulness. What does our text say? Even when I am faithless, he is still faithful. Come on, some of us have walked out of the place of prayer because we believed what I did last night disqualifies me. And we shrink back. We no longer contend because we thought it depends on me. How pious can I be? How much fasting can I do? How much Bible reading can I do? Well, friends, I didn't put myself on a cross. He did. I didn't come up out of the grave. He did. I didn't give myself an invitation to contend with his authority. He did. You know, how this plays out for me is both strengths and weakness, right? So my insecurity comes out, right? As I have said often, I am the worst faster on the planet. I start a fast at 7, I break it by 7.05. Walk out of my bedroom, planning to fast. My wife is making pancakes for the kids from the morning to school, and I am scarfing pancakes down my throat before I blink. And it's that sentiment of, of just, 
Why even try then? Because I jacked this up so much. That I find myself not engaging the place of fasting and prayer because I'm just filled with so much failure. Maybe my problem is I don't fast in him. How much willpower can Joel Solomon stir up to not put food in his mouth? But you know, it's the other side too. I have been, I've lost count of the number of prayer gatherings that I've been in. I, I actually have relatively a decent discipline to wake my tail up and get to morning prayer. Every one of our campuses has them. And sometimes, whether it's my insecurity that, that I, I need to bring to him, sometimes it's also my strength. I think that somehow my discipline to get up to prayer is also in me rather than him in me. Where do we need to re-rest ourselves in the fact that when we pray, we pray in him and it's not up to you? Where have you been striving in you rather than resting in him in prayer? He is the embodiment of the amen. And our job is to come by his grace and open our mouths and pray. He says here in verse 21, to him who overcomes, now that's us, this is what he says, I will grant this person to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat on my father's throne. See, we sit on his throne by his invitation through his work. Rest in him. What song did we sing this morning? And I will rest in your promises. And my confidence is in what? Your faithfulness. Come on, where do you need to re-engage prayer? In him, not in yourself. Pop the pressure balloon. It's not up to you. Where? Where? Where and why? Where are the, and maybe it's not like a wholesale amount of praying. Maybe it's just a couple of areas that you just have determined. If this world is going to get moved, it's going to be because I am contending. And when you miss a day, when you miss a week, when you miss a moment, you feel like it's completely left up and gone. Now, is it true there are some things that aren't going to happen unless we pray? Yes. But we got to have a bigger view of God's call and grace and authority. Our amen is in him. The amen. Not in our ability to be the prayer that we think we need to be. Can this month, can this year, we reset our hearts to say, and when we come to pray, we pray in him. If you're resetting, can you say amen? The second amen is not just an amen in him. It's an amen on him. What do do I mean by that? A life of prayer is a life that clearly understands a full dependence upon God for everything. Like my marriage, like my parenting, like my going to Walmart. We need God for everything, saints. And the number one enemy to the life of prayer is this, self-sufficiency. People who don't think we, people who think, I don't need God, stop praying. We don't do it 
like out of our, we, we don't consciously do that, I don't think. I don't think we say, God, I don't need you. But we do say, God, I got this. I got seven areas. These five, I'm really good at. I'm not going to pray about those five. Let me pray about these two that I'm kind of weak at. And the self-sufficient heart says, I don't need to have my amen on him because I got my life together. Laodicea, the city, was one of the wealthiest cities in the Roman Empire. And they were rich and self-reliant. They were a city of banking and manufacturing. And, and, at, the, and at, the, at, the, at the time of John, about 70 or so A.D., the city is destroyed by an earthquake and a volcano. And Laodicea's wealth and power and might, they rebuilt their whole city. And what they boasted of is that we didn't take a single dime from the Roman Empire. We did it ourselves. We got this, Caesar. And you see, it was Laodicea's self-sufficiency that caused them to misdiagnose their real condition. You see, they forgot that they needed God. Jesus' admonition to them is this. Because you say you got money in a big 401k, you think you don't need anything. Because you got a whole bunch of sneakers in your closet and cars in your driveway, you think you're just fine. Because you've been married for 37 years and there hasn't been any massive turmoil, you think you're just fine. But I have news for you, Laodicea. You're not. You're actually naked, wretched, and poor. Not because you don't have stuff, but because you're relying on yourself. See, a life of prayer says, I need him for everything. Could this be why Jesus says, pray for daily bread? If the amen required daily bread from God, why do I think that I don't? If the amen modeled for us what a life fully dependent upon the work of the Spirit looked like, why do I think that I can navigate life without Holy Spirit in prayer? And our problem is that we pray in our areas of weakness because we think in our areas of strength it's us. The number of times as of recent that I've walked into a meeting and I've walked into a teaching of something. Oh, I've, I've taught on this before. I got this. Oh, I, 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 I know what we're supposed to do here. I got this. And it's amazing how many times post that moment I find out, I don't got this. Because I made myself too wise in my own eyes. And the problem is sometimes there are some really good areas that are fruitful in my life. And so what happens is I just start praying for the ones that are on the struggle bus. Because I got the good ones. And the good is now the enemy of great. Because what if I continued to pray and contend for the good areas? Maybe there's more that God has for me there. Here's my question for us. Where have you stopped praying because of a sense of self-reliance? Because you have been in that business for so long, you just know how this goes. You've been married for so long, you just know how this goes. 
You've been a parent for so long. You just know how this goes. You read all the books. You know how it works. Said no parent ever. You see, the issue of lukewarmness for Laodicea was not spiritual fervor. It was self-reliance. We cannot partner with heaven when we are not dependent upon him. Maybe the greatest place of partnership that heaven has for us is prayer. People who don't think we have need, don't pray. Maybe your business is so successful, now is the time to contend and pray more. Maybe your marriage is so strong, now is the time to pray more. Maybe your parenting, your kids are so godly saints, now is the time to pray more. Maybe your health is so good, now is the time to pray more there. Because we get lulled to sleep in the good places and think we're okay there. It's an amen in him, but it's an amen on him. And I sense the Lord pushing against the idea of I got this. Can we be a people who are joyfully dependent on him? Can I help us out for a moment online and here in the room? Your willingness to say I am dependent is not weakness. It's not weakness. It's just intelligence. It is wisdom to say I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Bless my Lord and Savior, I come to thee. Because unless I got him, I got nothing. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but I would trust in the name of my God. Come on, you're not that smart, you're not that wise, you're not that good looking. I mean, some of you are. I didn't plan on saying that, this came right, I'm, I'm channeling my inner Pastor Dan. Okay. <laughs> Where do you need a fresh? A fresh come to say, I need him. I need them. It's time to start praying in the places of my strength, not just my weaknesses. It's an amen on him. It's an amen in him. But it's primarily an amen with you. Maybe the most clear understanding of amen is in the context of the gathered church. The vast majority of these uses in the word, in scripture of the word amen, is when one person agrees with another. What does Deuteronomy say? If one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Scripture bears witness to this truth that intercession takes on its fullest effect when we pray with other people. Aside from faithful or true, this word amen can be defined as let it be so or we agree. And it's a corporate prayer gathering. It's a corporate worship service. It's a corporate space that when you contend and pray for something, I over here say, I agree, let it be so. And in that place of unity and that place of oneness and that place of agreement, Psalms 133 would say life flows. 
Acts chapter 2 is uh, the disciples are together and in the place of unity in prayer, Holy Spirit comes. Acts chapter 4, two chapters later, they have persecution coming against them. They're in a place of unity and praying and the whole house shakes. How's the 757 going to get shaken and turned upside down? It's because a group of people gathered together and prayed, not just you in your car, your shower, or your home. In verse 14, the whole thing starts off with not Jesus just talking to John and not Jesus just talking to you and I individually 2,000 years later. It is given to a corporate body, to the angel or the pastor or the leader of the church, the gathered ones, the called out ones together. This is what I say. Jesus is clearly speaking to a group of people, to a local body, and he's asking for the response in a corporate sense. These are the two lessons I've learned about this amen and unity. Number one, I need unity with Jesus in my prayers. Now, catch this for a moment. This is how this, is how this practically works out for me. Like if there were only two sets of prayers that are going to be answered, my prayers over here and Jesus' prayers over here. My bet is his are the prayers that are going to get answered, not mine. And so what I started doing is coming to the place of prayer rather than praying and ask Jesus to say amen to Joel's prayers. I started saying, Jesus, what are you praying right now? And let me pray those prayers. Let me say amen to your prayers, not asking you to say amen to mine. I wonder if there are some delayed prayers in our life, not simply because heaven's wanting to form us in the delays we talked about in Advent, but maybe it's because we are praying amiss. What does Paul say why we're given the Holy Spirit and praying in the, and praying in the Spirit? That we might pray when we don't know how to pray. Maybe the first amen with others is your amen with Jesus. What's the thing you've been praying on that you need to ask? Jesus, what are you praying about with this? Husband, wife, job, ministry, physical healing, whatever it is. Can you stop your own prayers and, and ask for some ears to hear what the Son of Man is praying? Let me join with him. But it's not just joining with Jesus it's joining with each other. You know how I learned to pray? I came to 9,000 prayer meetings with Pastor Melvin. And he taught me how to pray by listening. You know how I learned to stay faithful in the place of prayer? I came to prayer and heard the church mamas pray. And they taught me how to keep praying, even when it didn't break initially. You know how I learned how to sing and pray? Pastor Kevin. Because that's all he does is sing and pray. You know how I learned how to pray out scripture and verses and the promises? Pastor Dan and Pastor Wayne, they taught me how to pray those out. You see, we learn to pray by praying with others. And then what I found were the things that I needed prayer for didn't actually often get answered by me praying for my prayers. I said yes and amen to their prayers. There's, there's some kind of uh, a mysterious sense with heaven, I think, that you get your prayers answered when you will choose not to pray for yourself, but you pray for somebody else's prayers. 
When I want to put my need on the table here, I'm going to spend an hour and pray for that which Pastor Wayne needs or, or, or someone else needs. And I'm going to say yes and amen to them. And when I agree with their prayers on their topic, heaven begins to move on my topic over here. Maybe this year, starting in a moment, maybe this is when Holy Spirit breathes on your heart to ignite that prayer life because you've come to a gathered prayer gathering. Family, it can't just be you with your Bible in your living room. That is important. That is the fuel that you bring to the Cooper prayer gathering. But we need each other. And your amen in the silo is not as effective as your amen as a part of a symphony. And can this year our church see a fresh wind of the Spirit blow in the gathered prayer meetings. Now maybe the last prayer gathering you came to was January of 2023. It has now been 12 months since the last time you came. Cool, 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 cool. Hit the delete button and re-engage. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy that says, oh, you jacked that one up last year. Okay, cool, I did. I'm getting back on the horse. And I'm coming back to the place of prayer. And I'm engaging. And I'm watching your prayers ignite my heart and my prayers ignite your heart. As we finish today, here are your homework assignments. You ready for these? This week, number one, do an evaluation where you have not been praying. Take the really good areas and pray those out. Ask Holy Spirit, where have I been relying on myself for these areas? What's going really good in your life? Make that your prayer point this week. Where are you just self-reliant? Begin to pray in that space. And secondly, can you afresh commit this month to coming to corporate prayer? Can you already begin putting it on your calendar to begin to come. Parents, bring your kids. Let them run around and scream in the back. We'll call the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Loud, noisy prayer meetings are a blessing to God. Bring the kids. I know it's early if you got to come out, but get up and come. Commit to come. And how you can start? You can start in 12 hours. Come tonight at our Kempsville campus we with Big House Church will begin this year in prayer. Make it a, a line in the sand to say I'm going to come and I'm going to start my year contending and praying for God's glory to fill the 757. Because maybe there's something in your life that just is not going to break unless it's in a corporate space. It's going to break when I'm willing to say I need him and it's going to break to say well, I'm going to come and gather with others to pray. And can, and can our amen, can your 
Amen. Be joined with mine and somebody else's to see heaven's will take place. Not on us, but solely on him because he has invited us in. Would you stand to your feet with me? Can you open up your hands right where you are? I want to pray for us. Father, I ask that you'd come and by your spirit you'd afresh pour out grace on us. That we would fully lean and trust on you. You are our amen, Jesus. Forgive us where we've been self-reliant. Forgive us where we have shrunk back because we've just made your work in us too small. And may we with authority come and pray in your name. And might you breathe on us this month that in family units, in small groups, corporate prayer gatherings, the wind of intercession would blow again and we would see your glory. In your name we pray. If you believe that, would you say amen?